This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. Well, I think that the kids did an awesome job, don't you? I think they just did fantastic. Thank you, everybody who was a part of that. That's, that's a lot of work putting stuff like together. Now, I'm not near as cute as uh, the kids. Um, that's debatable with some people. Um, but no, <laughs> I kid, I kid. But, uh, you know, as, as I was thinking about sharing a message with our church family after having our kids sing about the coming birth of Jesus and celebrating the birth of Jesus, I just began to think about the Christmas season, began to think about exactly what it is that uh, uh, all of this means and the gift that it truly is. And as I think about that, I just began to think about that, that, uh, uh, the, the song with the line in it where it says, Tidings of Comfort and Joy. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. Before we get into the message, just wanted to make sure that those of you who have kids that are in the 5th through 8th grade know that we have 180, um, and Pastor Stephen's going to teach that. If you would just go out this exit door to my right, if you're between the, aids, uh, the grades of 5th through 8th, he's going to teach uh, in the Oasis room this morning. And uh, man, that's been just really go- just going wonderful as well. So um, we're going to talk about uh, comfort and joy this morning. So if you would, just join me in a word of prayer. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to celebrate your birth. Thank you for the kids doing such a great job, Lord. Thank you for the blessing that uh, they were to our church family this morning. And I just pray, God, that that message would ring true in our hearts and it wouldn't just be something that we do once a year or we go through the Christmas season singing familiar songs, but yet we would truly receive that message of the Christmas story, of that birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I pray that that would just resonate in our hearts today and help us to grow in understanding what you came to do and help us grow in exactly what you desire to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible this morning, you can go ahead and go to John chapter 4. Comfort and joy is what we're talking about this morning. You also follow along on version if you have your Bible app with you. You can go search for a live event in your area on the menu of that app, and you should be able to find Word of Grace and follow along on that. John chapter 4 and verse 1 isn't really a Christmas story here, but nonetheless very relevant. John chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he goes through this city in Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground where Jacob gave uh, to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, was weary from his journey, and he sat down by the well. And it was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw from the water. And Jesus said, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it? that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So you see here the cultural point where you've got two groups of people who are interacting who in, a, in this cultural setting did not interact. And this is not something we should be talking about. This is not a discussion that we should be having. But then Jesus said this to her in verse 10. If you knew the gift of God, And who it is who has asked you, then you would have given me a drink. You would have asked me to give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. This is a deep well. Where then do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well? Then we drank from uh, this well. He drank from it himself as well as his sons and, and his livestock also drank from the well. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have well said, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one who you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming where you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. As I read over this story and I think about the fact that this woman was searching for something and I think about the Christmas season and I think about how people in our culture and our world are searching for things, so oftentimes Christmas has a lot of joy surrounding it for many of us, but then for a lot of people it doesn't have a lot of joy surrounding it. It has a lot of heartache, it has a lot of bad memories or memories of loss or pain or those who may not be with us this year because they have gone on to be with the Lord. A lot of times we have a lot of things in our hearts that get stirred up during this time. And it often gets expressed when you're in the line at the store. All of this frustration, all of this emotional uh, awkwardness that you try to put off and, 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 and you try to delay and then here it comes to where you're almost confronted with dealing with family or dealing with situations that perhaps you haven't thought of all year or you've tried not to think of or the fact that there's issues maybe financially that spring up around this time of the year and then you begin to think about the new year and all the things you're trying to get done or maybe all the things that you didn't get done and so when we think about what this season is really all about. Man, I tell you, there are a lot of things that would try to vie for our attention and a lot of things that would make us want to think about anything but the reason for the season. Wouldn't you agree? There's a lot of things vying for our attention, vying for our heart, vying for our emotions, and it causes us, like this woman, to draw from a well. And this well that we draw from is in order to try to satisfy or deal with whatever issue that we have going on. But the problem with the wells we draw from is that when we draw from these wells, we're going to have to come back to these wells again because they never truly satisfy. I think there's four wells primarily that we draw from looking for temporary satisfaction and we miss the gift in front of us. The well of ourselves where we think that maybe the, the goal of life is just a better version of ourselves. And if I can be better or there can be a better version of me, then I'll be satisfied. Or then we draw from the well of others. Maybe I need to be around other people in order 
to satisfy me. I need that special person in my life to bring satisfaction. So we draw from that well. Or maybe I draw from the well of the world where I need things or position or power to satisfy me and we drink from it. Or maybe we draw from the well of religion where we try to do a bunch of good things to put God in our debt so we'll feel that God somehow owes us. And, and, and yet that still does not satisfy. We see over and over that we draw from these different wells, but yet we're missing the point because this woman who had continually come to this well, and there is the gift, the one who only satisfies where nothing else satisfies is sitting right in front of her, and she misses it. And I think that's exactly what happens to us a lot of times during Christmas season, is that we look to draw from all of these different wells in order to bring comfort and joy in our lives. And we try to somehow escape the pain or avoid dealing with this circumstance or put this off. Or we try to avoid dealing with those certain people. You know who I'm talking about. Don't look around. We want to avoid dealing with certain people during these times. And, and, and it becomes very stressful or very difficult. But we're drawing from all of these wells because we're looking for something. But we're missing what's right in front of us. We miss that Jesus is actually sitting right there. And, and here's what I think. I think that we seek comfort and joy from so many sources in order to satisfy because we only trust Jesus so far. Like, I, I trust you, Jesus, and I believe you're good, but, I mean, my trust is kind of, I, I go, like, right here. Then we get to this point, I have a hard time really trusting you. Because if I were to say, you know, God is good, somebody in here is going to say, oh, yes, sir, all the time, and all the time, God is good. And we say things like that, but do we really believe it? Just because you can say it, even sincerely, doesn't mean that you actually believe it. Because how far does your trust go with that statement? Is he sitting in front of you saying that I am your comfort I am your joy. I am the well that you draw from and will never be thirsty again because I can satisfy. Or do we continually go back to these other wells and we're drawing from them, looking for something, but yet that lady is going to have to go right back to that well is what Jesus was saying. You're always going to need to come there because it's never truly going to satisfy nothing in this life. Think about it. Nothing in this life satisfies us in a manner to where we never need it again. Or we never want it again. Nothing else in this world does that. Think about the best steak you've ever had in your life. Oh, now I got you listening. <laughs> Think about those awesome Christmas cookies. Not the fruitcake you got in the mail. Think about those awesome Christmas cookies. When they, that smell in the house, oh, they're good. But guess what? You're going to have to go back and get more because you're not going to be satisfied. They don't satisfy to where I think I'll never have another cookie or anything else to eat again. That did it for me. I am completely satisfied. We don't do that because those things are never meant to satisfy. Even you go and drink water. You're going to have to go get another drink at some point because it never satisfies. But the thing with Jesus, I think, is that we feel that we only trust him so far because do we really believe that he gets where we're at? Do we really believe that he really understands? Do we really believe in the reality of a relationship with a Jesus who is sitting right in front of us saying, drink from my water, the living water, and you'll never thirst again? And, and I think that we have an issue with believing that Jesus doesn't understand or doesn't understand what we're going through. We, we treat Jesus sometimes often as if he's somehow insufficient. That Jesus, you don't really get it. You don't really understand. And we say that to other people. 
Oh, if you only knew what I was really dealing with. If you only really knew. Because you see my smile. And you see my ugly Christmas sweater. And you see how well put together that I look. But at the same time, you don't really see what's beneath all of that. That I try to convince you that everything's fine. You don't know what's going on. And even if you did, you really wouldn't understand. And so we think that Jesus is kind of the same way, that he doesn't understand. But let me tell you three things about Jesus today that will bring us comfort and joy. The first being Jesus understands. Jesus understands. You see, throughout the Gospels, Jesus clearly displays human emotion. When Jesus heard the centurion's words of faith in Matthew 8 and 10, the Bible says he marveled. It says in Matthew 26 and 38 that his soul was very sorrowful even to death. In John eleven thirty three through 35, the Bible says that Jesus is deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubles, is greatly troubled, and it even causes him to weep. In John 12 and 27, it says, my soul is troubled. And in John 13, 21, the Bible says that Jesus was troubled in his spirit. The author of Hebrews writes that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears in Hebrews 5 and 7. A lot of times we have this notion that Jesus never experienced human emotions and anguish and that he doesn't really get what I'm going through because he doesn't understand. Let me tell you, folks, Jesus understands. Amen, somebody? Look at Hebrews 4 and 15. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. See, the difference between us and Jesus is that those emotions didn't cause him to sin, but yet he does understand and he does experience and has experienced those very same emotions that you and I think, oh, he just doesn't get it. No, he gets it. And here's the other thing. He cares about you. He loves you, he understands, and he wants you know, to know that he understands. And the other thing about Jesus is not only does he understand, but he cares. Jesus understands, and Jesus cares. Let's look at 1 Peter 5 and 7. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Cast all your care upon him, because he cares for you. And during this season, I think that so many times... People allow negative things to want to swarm their mind and swarm their heart. Man, and we work so hard to try to convince everybody else that there's nothing going on. And we even try to convince God. (laughs) But let me tell you, not only does he understand, but he cares. He wants you to know that he is sitting right in front of you just as he was sitting at the well with that woman that day in John chapter 4. And that he's saying, you can keep coming back to this well. And you can keep drawing from it, but it's not your source. It's not going to sustain you. You know, having more money is not your answer. Hello, somebody. Having more money is not your answer. Having more stuff is not your answer. Even getting rid of some of the the, the problems that you have in your life is still not the answer to being satisfied. Because even Jesus let us know that in this world you're going to have troubles. So if we said, hey, we have no troubles in life. All, all my problems are gone. It's all smooth sailing and it's great. I figured it all out. Woohoo! That's still not going to satisfy you. That's still not going to do it for you. Having your house completely cleaned and perfect is not going to satisfy you. 
Having everything so-so is not going to satisfy Being able to do 100 push-ups and having six-pack abs is not going to satisfy you. Being popular in your circle of influence and circle of friends is not going to satisfy you. Having that car or that house is not going to satisfy you. Having all of your children be perfect little angels and you and your spouse having this incredible, amazing marriage is not going to satisfy you. Those things are all good things. And there's nothing wrong with those things. And there's nothing, with, with wanting, or nothing wrong with wanting to grow in those areas. But they do not satisfy. They don't satisfy. Not like Jesus satisfies. Amen? Because I have to think about these people that are in different situations than you and I. People who are in third world countries who may be persecuted for their beliefs, that they would be willing on a Sunday to gather in a secret location for fear of being arrested, for fear of being tortured, for fear of even being killed over doing something as simple as what you and I are doing without even considering those things right now. Or something as simple as opening a Bible or even possessing a Bible. And I think, what in the world would motivate somebody to meet time after time again and tell others about Jesus and, and, and open this Bible over and over again and, and, and hold that thing dear to their heart, even if they only have but a few pages to hold on to. What would motivate somebody to do that? That person is not worried about how to get a better job. That person is not worried about how to live in the it neighborhood. That person is not worried about what other people think about them and how to have more friends. That person is satisfied with Jesus and they know He understands and He cares and He's worth it. That person who is willing to make that decision to do that time after time again gets it gets that they don't need all this stuff to be satisfied. But yet, oftentimes in our culture, we think that if Jesus can get me all of those things, then I'll follow Him. And so we follow Him with strings attached instead of following Him in order to drink from the water that satisfies so we'll never thirst again. You see, what Jesus should do is He should bring great contentment. And let me tell you something about being content. There is great joy that comes along with contentment. There is a joy like you have never known that comes with being content. With being able to sit in your house and go, I'm satisfied because Jesus is enough. Because Jesus understands, Jesus cares, and Jesus satisfies. So do we trust that he understands and that he cares? I mean, I think that in a church setting we'll say amen. I think we may even jot it down next to our little doodles that we think are funny that we're showing our friend or spouse. But at the same time, do we really believe those words that we wrote down? Do we really believe Jesus understands? Do we really believe Jesus cares? And most importantly, do we really believe that Jesus satisfies? Let's look at one more scripture together, Romans 15 and 13, if you'd put that on the screen. Now may the God of hope fill you 
with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, now listen, first of all, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you comfort. He wants to give you peace. But it is something that we need to receive by faith. It's something that we need to trust that He truly is enough. Because true joy and comfort comes from knowing and walking with God and walking in the love of God. Because we know the character of God, right? God is what? What's His character? God is love. He's love. That's who He is. And so walking in love helps us to understand that character of God and be filled with that hope and that joy and peace. Because true joy and comfort comes from knowing and walking in the love of God. Because love satisfies. Because here's what love can do that no one else or nothing else can do. It can let me know that I am unconditionally accepted and I have nothing to fear. I am unconditionally accepted and I have nothing to fear. Man, if I'm accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if I'm accepted by God, if I'm accepted by the Creator of the universe, that nothing that exists could even have any being whatsoever if it weren't for Him, and He says, I accept you, then I should be able to take a deep breath and exhale and know that God is enough. Amen? I should be able to know that regardless of what comes my way, that if He understands, that if He cares, then surely He can satisfy. Because it is His love that never fails. It is His love that accepts me. It is His love that lets me know that I have nothing to fear because the Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. And if I know love, then guess what? I know God. And if I know love, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to love others. And if I love others, then I'm not going to spend my whole life trying to prove how right I am and how wrong everybody else is. I'm not going to live in fear of other people's opinions. And I'm going to realize, no matter how I may feel emotionally at this point and juncture in my life, that I am not alone. And I can also receive and accept that I am loved and I am forgiven. You see, in all of these things that would want to attach themselves to me, to try to get me to believe in all these lies and to hinder me from being satisfied in Jesus, I can say, no, I am accepted and I am loved right where I'm at. You may think, well, you don't know. You, you don't know, Pastor. You don't know how, how bad I've been. You don't know how, how terrible of a person I've been. You don't know all the wrong things that I've done. Guess what? I don't have to know. It's not about me knowing, in my opinion, having anything to do with the way that God views you. My opinion means nothing. Your opinion means nothing in the terms of where I stand with God. Amen? Only God can make that decision, and the way to Him is through Jesus. It's that love that has opened the door, that has said, you know what, you don't have to be afraid anymore. You're not alone. So many people struggle with feeling alone. They feel like no one understands, so they feel alone. I think that's one of the, the devil's biggest traps and biggest, biggest tricks that he would like to use in people's lives, is to make you feel like nobody else deals with what you deal with. Nobody else, he wants to almost embarrass you to isolate you. So you feel like nobody else 
has to deal with the drama I have to deal with in my family and in my life. No one else understands my financial situation. No one would even get it if I tried to explain. Uh, No one would understand this or understand that. But guess what? Jesus does. Amen? That means you're not alone. You are not alone. You need to get that. I don't care if you're married, if you're single, if you're divorced, if you lost your spouse. It doesn't matter. You are not alone. The enemy is going to try to make you feel like you're alone. The enemy is going to try to get your mind to believe that you are alone or get you to believe that somehow because of what you deal with that you're some type of freak and nobody wants anything to do with you. But Jesus says, I died for you. Amen? Amen? Instead of getting you to feel like you're all alone, he's saying, no, I, I want you, not when you get everything figured out in life, not when you get to an acceptable level, okay, now you can come in my house, you know, kind of like when the neighbor, ki- neighbor kids come over and they've been playing in the mud, can I come in your house? Um, no, you cannot. <laughs> it is not acceptable for you to come in my home at this point in time. You need to go home. Skedaddle. Sometimes my own children... Uh, it's not acceptable for you to come in my house <laughs> right now. My son is having an issue right now where his shoes are funky, funky, funky. And I have tried everything, and they're still funky. And sometimes it is not acceptable for him to be in my vehicle because that is in a close, close, tight, small space. I have conditions. But here's the thing. God has no conditions. He says, come as you are. Come with all your stinkiness. Come with all your filth. Come with all, your, come with, come with all of your embarrassing things that you would never want to tell someone else about. Amen. He says, I accept you because nothing's hidden from God. I don't care how good of a, a hide-and-seek you think you are. God knows where you're at. He sees all. He knows all. He sees the intent and the motive of your heart. You can fool me. Man, you can fool me pretty good. But you can't fool God. He sees right through you and he says, I still want you anyways. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that just blow your mind? Not only does he understand, not only does he care, not only does he satisfy, but man, he accepts us and loves us right where we're at, knowing the intent and motive of our heart. (laughs) Oh, whoa. Because think about it. Man, if if, if anyone would, 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 would think weird about us because of the weird things that we think in our heart and who we really are and the motives the selfish motives that we often have. You think, man, we would be rejected by most people that we know. But that's, God says, I still see all that that nobody else sees and I still accept you. That's huge. So when you know that you're accepted, when you know you're loved, it changes the way that you see yourself, it changes the way you see God, it changes the way you treat other people, and it changes the things that you're drawing from in life in order to satisfy. You know what, God? I'm satisfied. Take the whole world, as the old hymn says, but give me Jesus. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Everything can be taken from me, but the one thing that can't be taken from me is the one thing the world didn't give, and that is the gift that is sitting before us saying, will you drink from my living water because I understand, I care, and I satisfy. So here's my hope today as we get ready to go. That the gift of the message of Jesus' birth this Christmas brings you tidings of comfort and joy because you know He understands, you know He cares, and you know He satisfies. I want you to let the love of Jesus comfort you 
and be your source of living water, be your source of comfort and joy. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.